Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpeed. And welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Internet Radio Show slash podcast. It is time for episode number 11 33, All Things Considered. We are coming to you live on Friday, November the 4th, 2011, from Bayside, New York, on one end, and Comac, New York, on the other. And we've got a ton to talk about tonight. Brian and I are going to get into all sorts of of fun sporting things, whether it be free agency and Jose Reyes and the Mets, whether it be Tony La Russa retiring and the delicate genius that he is, the Jets and the Giants with huge games this weekend against the Patriots and the Bills respectively, big football weekend in the Northeast. Then there's Alabama LSU, number one playing number two. We'll actually talk about college football. Then there's Tim Tebow. People are killing Tim Tebow. I mean, it's enough. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about uh, some of the greatest players to play the game. Could they play in this era? Maybe we'll finally get to that fun load tonight. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if there's time. Maybe a little Home Depot. Maybe a little Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if there'll be time, though. But it is Friday night. It is 9.30 p.m. We are Cal and Sam Pete, and we are ready to unload. Welcome to the show. Uh, the podcast, as it were. Uh, episode 11-33. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Sampietro. Again, coming to you live from Bayside, New York. And Dumpling Sound Studios 2. And uh, let's get right into it. The number to call, if you want to, 424-220-1817 or 877-404-0820. Let's give the toll-free number. Why not? Um, if you want to call in and, uh, and BS with us about sports uh, and what we're talking about. Uh, so uh, without further ado... Let us bring in – we are completely untethered tonight. We have no uh, pop culture PJ, our producer. He is not with us. We do not have Dr. Ray Stat. He is not with us. Maybe he calls in later. I don't know. But if he does, he'll be hammered, no doubt. <laughs> so it's just me and you, Bri. So uh, let me bring you into the show. Let's bring him on stage. He's not even supposed to be here tonight. Mr. Brian – Calniva, Caliente, Calpino, Calorific, Caloric Content. Well, that's a terrible one. Uh, hi, Bri. Hey, Steve. What's going on, man? Nothing. Nothing. I um, I wasn't supposed to be here tonight. So. <laughs> Neither <laughs> Neither one one of us. Dressed for the occasion. Neither one of us was supposed to be here. This is a rare Friday night show. Very rare. I think in the almost two years we've been doing this show, we've done maybe one. 
I, I don't know. I remember the natural podcast we did, but was that a Friday or a Saturday night? That was a that was a I think that was a Saturday night. Yeah, so I don't know if we've done this before. No, this is uncharted territory. Uh, but you know, we couldn't do the show last night. Some things came up, some obligations. We were supposed to uh, have Ted Berg too, Cal. Um, but we're going to have him next week. He's coming on next week. Oh, good. Yeah, he's coming on next Thursday night. Ted Berg from SNY.TV and TedQuarters.net. And also the Mostly Mets podcast is going to join us to talk about the Jets, of course. That's good. I'd, I'd hate to think that our rescheduling would have uh, eliminated him from being part of the show. You know what? He just moved into Manhattan. He's having a party. Oh, good. Yeah. He's become a, uh, a Manhattanite, a dazzling urbanite. Nice. Much like uh, like <laughs> like Cleavon Little in Blazing Saddle. <laughs> Still one of my favorite lines, Cal. What's a dazzling urbanite like yourself doing in a rustic setting like this? Uh, what's going on, brother? How was your week? Friday night. Are you getting loose? Yeah, well, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm tired, if nothing yeah. else. I'm You're exhausted. Fatigued. You're fatigued. I'm getting old. Friday no, night. Yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate that. It's the camera. makes it look a little... You look good, kid. Well, you know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, I'm doing a show. I'm sitting at home in my basement at 9.30 on a Friday night talking to a computer. And I think about, like, maybe what would I have been doing 20 years ago? And roughly the same thing, actually. I probably would have been playing Tecmo Bowl. Correct. Right? Um, maybe just turned off the Family Matters, the Urkel. Wow. And fi- fired up the old Nintendo for a game of, uh, of Tecmo Bowl. And that's what 17-year-old Brian would be doing. Right now, which is right. kind of sad. <laughs> I think I'd rather talk about present day. You know, the only maybe the only difference between seventeen-year-old uh, Cal and and thirty-seven-year-old Cal uh, on this night is that uh, you maybe crack a beer tonight. Well, that's that's true. Whereas seventeen-year-old Cal was definitely not cracking a beer. I might have been maybe a little Gatorade. <laughs> well, you. Let me get this straight. You were drinking Gatorade while playing Tecmo Bowl? Well, I mean, how – look, I played Tecmo, but, I mean, how hard were you going at it? I came into it. Apparently. I, you oh, know? Which reminds me, Cal, somebody brought up – one of the guys at work and I were talking today about uh, – somehow Pong came up or whatever, and then that natural progression there for people that are our age – or in the say say thirty three to forty five age range. That's a uh, wide range. <laughs> is, uh, I'll go thirty three to forty three. How's that? Okay. All right. Because you weren't happy with that <laughs> that demographic. That's two extra years. Right. Um, but uh, you naturally start talking about Atari and start talking about Pitfall and start talking about ColecoVision or you know ColecoVision and Activision or whatever. Of course. And it reminded we did remember the show we did two years ago when we had Nello on. And we talked about the video games, the sports video games of our youth. Remember that show? And Dan, Dan had an Odyssey. <laughs> he was Dan, the only one. Dan's dad bought an Odyssey uh, instead of an Atari or you know or, or whatever. He bought the Odyssey. And uh, really, we just we could not stop making fun of Nella. We actually had to look up online what the controller for an Odyssey looked like. <laughs> So, hey, uh, guess what, Cal? What's that? We are not going to be completely untethered tonight. we got a ton of sports to talk about, but 
we have uh, joining us uh, via the cell phone. Uh, he's out somewhere uh, in Manhattan right now. Uh, let's let's uh, welcome in our producer, uh, the Bon Vivant, uh, or the Bon Vivant, Pop Culture PJ. What's up, dude? Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Somebody, I'm sorry, is there an echo? Somebody's been drinking. <laughs> I've had a few drinkies. <laughs> Peach, what's uh, what's up, pal? What are you up to? Are you are you going to be able to stay with us for a, a couple of minutes, uh, an hour? What do you got? I just had sex in the bathroom. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> well, uh, oh, I don't even know what to say. This is this is breaking news, isn't it? It has to be. <laughs> this is. I think this merits the RTU breaking news music. Pop culture PJ just had sex in the bathroom. Uh, I think I threw my back out. <laughs> Were you in the champagne room? I was not. Have I you ever not. been in a champagne room? Yes. Yes, I have. You know what? Well, the, while we're... <laughs> Go ahead. And the embarrassing story was I had to ask to be let out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> Our top story tonight. Pop culture PJ embarrassed himself in a champagne room once. <laughs> Not cool enough for the champagne room. That's right. Uh, Peach, you know what? I can't believe we've actually, speaking of champagne rooms, I can't believe we've never brought this up on the uh, on the show since you've been our producer. Right. You, you and uh, Cal share a, a similar, I think, a similar bachelor party experience. Oh, God. All right. Are you willing? Not. Are you willing to tell that story? I'll I'll tell I'll tell the complete story. Sure. Well, it's only an hour and a half program, so <laughs> see if you can Reader's Digest it for us. <laughs> okay. the 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 short version was in a seedy strip club in the outskirts of Atlantic City, and by seedy I mean that there were crack pipes in the urinals. Classy. I was assaulted by a uh, wiry, I'm pretty sure jacked-up stripper uh, to the tune of Killing in the Name of the uh, Rage Against the Machine song. And I was beaten about the face and chest with buttocks. I was literally assaulted, and I have a permanent mark on my thigh where she bit me. This is true, by the way, Cal. He's not making this, this is all true. <laughs> wow. Now, Cal, why don't you tell your little story? I, it, it's. I don't think it's similar. I think we were at the same place, though. For your we probably we probably were at the same place. See, here's the thing, though, Steve. You would have to tell the story because I don't remember. <laughs> oh, someone someone's claiming blackout. I see. No, I really. I I only remember. I only remember bits and pieces of, of I remember the place, obviously. Right. That was that's been in, ingrained in my brain. I believe uh, was I believe it was we went to A C for uh Cal's uh bachelor party as well, Peach. And I believe right. I believe I don't know if I went to your bachelor party, PJ, did I? Ninety seven? I don't think we were uh I don't think I we made weren't the list. shower buddies yet. No, we weren't shower buddies yet. Right. 
No, I, 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 but Cal's, uh, we went down to AC. I had five Johnny Walker Blacks tonight. I'm a little loosey-goosey. Pardon the language. That's fantastic. We've we've got our finger on the dump button, so (laughs) have fun, PJ. It's a Friday night ready to unload, uh, Peach. Anything goes. This this one's rated MA. I'm just assuming that you're not wearing pants. I, I, I think that's a safe assumption. Um, well, they're on, but they're not on correctly. <laughs> right, uh, because yeah, Cal- I did have to. I did have to walk back to work. I am. I'm, I'm back to work now. Right. So Cal- I may have uh, to hit the mute button at any second. So if I if I suddenly mute out, it's because uh, someone respectable has walked in. Right. Uh, yeah, Cal's Cal's bachelor party was a, a good time from what I remember, but I seem to remember him getting the uh, the beat down treatment from a. Uh, from a, a, a young lady uh, as well. I seem to remember it being abusive. So is it blonde curly hair? Did she have blonde curly hair? I Didn't she? Didn't you get a burn, Cal? Yeah, I might have had a burn somewhere. What, a cigarette burn or something like that? I don't know. You, you know what I have, though? And, and I, will, I will do this after the show because I'm curious. I have the T-shirt that they put me in that night. You still have that? Oh, yeah. I have the T-shirt. And basically, it's signed by everybody that was at the bachelor party, complete with their numbers. Of course. Of course. Uh, uh, Not phone numbers. No, 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 no. no. Uniform numbers. What did I go with? Did I go with 29 or did I go with 4? I'm going to have to look. No. Um, Even those that were at the party that didn't play ball somehow had numbers. (laughs) That's right. Which is interesting. Um, but then the um, the lovely young lady also signed the shirt. I remember that. Yes. So I'll be able to get some information by, by looking at that again. That's right. We may be able to CSI this. Uh, try, I'll try to figure it out. It was a crime scene. Uh, Peach, uh, one last thing, and, and then we'll, we'll let you go drink more, you lush. Kubrickian. Uh, more fun to say. Let me, why, why, is, why does uh, Kubrickian sound like Bill Cosby tonight? It's just the way my lips are smacking together. <laughs> the Kubrickian and the pudding. Man, what if Kubrick had made Ghost Dad? That would have been something. <laughs> it would have been terrifying. <laughs> I think it would have went a little something like this. Is this where you do you turn around and then come back and do an impression of, of Ghost Dad? <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. All you have to do is play three notes on a piano. Like right. three three completely dissonant notes, and bum, then bum, go, bum, bum. and then go, goes dad. <laughs> um, Peach, we're gonna we're gonna go talk about Jose Reyes now. So you you may want you may want to turn off the uh, the show, and we'll we'll, go, we'll, well I'm and, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna actually check back with you just a little bit later. I'm I'm, I'm I apologize. Um for leaving, but I'm going to leave and uh, come back. Okay. Well, that was our that was our producer. The pop culture PJ the Pooh. Um, and, of course, we're playing the, the Glee version of uh, Small Town Girl or whatever it is. What is it? Uh, don't Journey. Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. Right. Small Town Girl. <laughs> Small Town Girl. I'll be okay. Uh, Cal. 
we had a heck of a day with the uh, with the Jose Reyes and the free agency and the uh, the Twitter war there with Andy or uh, with Adam Rubin. I got into a little bit um, from the New York or used to be from the New York Daily News. Now is with uh, ESPN New York. Uh, uh, since we last left our little radio show, uh, the Cardinals won the World Series uh, in dramatic fashion with a Game Six uh, for the ages. Two two run comebacks uh, in back to back innings, down to their last strike in back to back innings, uh, and then of course the no doubter win on uh, Game Seven. Uh, they were, you know, Texas was dead man walking, as was the Red Sox, and as were the Red Sox in '86. Very similar, a lot of similarities there. Uh, yeah, they both they both jumped out to early leads. Yeah, that, exactly. Except the '86 the Mets were a far better team than than this Cardinal team, but. Um, so Tony, before we get to Reyes and all that jazz, Cal, uh, one of our favorite guys, a, a guy that we have had a party with on, on this show for two years is, is walking away. Yeah. He's leaving on top. The delicate genius is retiring, walking away. Uh, Tony LaRussa will take his vast knowledge of the game. Uh, all the rules he's created. Uh, look, we joke, Cal, but I, I do want to ask you this. Has there been a manager that has had a greater effect or greater influence on the modern game, a bigger influence in changing the way the game is managed and played than Tony La Russa? I can't think of one. I, I, I you know, know he's, he's been very successful. He's not only has he been very successful. We make fun of him, but the guy revolutionized how you use a bullpen, and everybody does it now. Uh, I don't know, you know, as far as advanced metrics and stuff like that, and the saber metrics and stuff. I, obviously, they're I don't care that. It's <laughs> <laughs> just that's beyond me. Still. You still sound like the old man who's afraid to. Uh, I don't think Liberty flew. <laughs> I just I can't get into it yet. You remember that sketch on Saturday Night Live, Grumpy Old Man? Yeah, right. Dana Carvey, that's you with sabermetrics. I don't <laughs> go for no fancy war. <laughs> In my day, all we had was RBIs, and we liked it. <laughs> we liked it fine. <laughs> Zone rating. Um. So there are obviously guys that have done sabermetric stuff, Cal, but who has had a bigger influence on the game than Tony La Russa? No, nobody. There really is nobody. You know? My um, question is, though, why don't other – he has changed the game and revolutionized certain aspects of managing a game and managing the game of baseball and and, and specifically with specialization of pitching. And right. people have tried to emulate him, but not a ton, Right. Yeah, well, I mean, every everybody everybody um, manages their closer the same way that he that he introduced to the game, with the exception, of course, of Mariano Rivera. He's a little different. So whether it was Joe Torre or now it's Joe Girardi, they they will bring Rivera in in the eighth inning when they need to. But every other every other closer in the game, you will not see until the ninth inning, and you won't see unless it's a save opportunity, and that's directly from Larusa. Okay, I mean that that's yes, that's absolutely true. Um I I just I, we make fun of him a lot for inventing the game, but 
the guy has had a revolutionary effect on the game, and I think he's a first ballot Hall of Fame manager. I don't think he has. To, he yeah. has to be. Uh, well, you know, well, well, well. Let's just, just for even forgetting what he did with those great Oakland teams of the late '80s and, and early '90s. Um, just look at look at what he's done with St. Louis, and look at the last five years. He took an 83 win team in 2006 and won the World Series with that team. 83 wins. Yeah, that was good in, times. In 2000, yeah, in 2011, this year, he took a team that was 10 games out of a playoff spot in the last week in August. Right. With the, 10 games out of a playoff a spot. A month ago, right. And, and won a World Series. So his two World Series wins, I mean, you can argue it, and it's probably not even a real close argument that the two teams that, won the world, that he won the World Series with were not the two best teams in baseball or the two best teams even in the playoffs of those two years. Right, it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to argue that. But it, it, it yes, absolutely. But also, what's interesting to me is that with Larusa, there there comes a lot of baggage because of the personality, because of where he managed, um, you know, the cities that he managed in, as as far as the, the White Sox and not the Cubs, you know, Oakland, uh, the the A's and not the Giants. You know the the, the Cardinals are, are an historic team and, and have the second most championships in baseball history, sure, but uh, not a big market. Obviously, I think you you have to take what he has accomplished as a manager and say, you know, we're always struggling to see who has the most control over a game from a managerial aspect, right? Is it an NBA coach? Is it a football? Is it a football head coach? And I think we all we we always agree that the football head coach has the most control over a game. Um, as far as calling plays, as far as decision making process, like he's not playing, but he has control over what's going on on the field. We have always sort of said that a baseball manager has like the least, right? Right. That 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 really all they can do is screw things up. <laughs> That's true. And you know. The great moves are seldom seen. The bad moves are magnified 800 times in baseball, I feel like. That, that's because the great moves are very subtle. Right. You know, they're not obvious to, to the casual observer. But you take La Russa, I think he was a different breed of I, – I mean, I think he exerted as much control as a manager can in baseball over a baseball game. And part of that, part of that, is the force of his personality. I think, right? I mean, I think he's he's got the sort of personality where he does that anyway. It seems he's but a bit a, of a control freak. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But who who does that? You know, I, I I just think he's he is truly one of a kind as in terms of managers go. I don't know if there's a guy in the game right now managing that's similar. You know, I I think. I see a lot of similarities in Buck Showalter to Larusa. Yeah, but Buck does not have. It doesn't seem that Showalter has that other side of his personality, Cal, that players love. You know what I mean? Right. I mean players love playing for Larusa. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's true. And if you, if I just don't see that with Buck, you know. Well, I think he burns out quickly. I think I think yeah. initially you 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 like him and you want to play for him, and then 
very quickly his he he wears on his players. His and name La- is Buck, for God's sake. I know. <laughs> Larusa doesn't wear on his players. I mean, to to a man, these guys all love him. Right, and how you many know? years you know with the same team? I mean, he's been he's been in St. Louis, right? You know, he was with St. Louis for what sixteen years. He was with St. Louis. Uh, 90, was it 95 or 96? 96, maybe, you know, maybe 15 years. I mean, you don't see that in modern baseball. Who was who was the play, who was the manager? Was it Tory Bob before him? Or was there someone in between? No, couldn't have been Tory. Tory took over for the Yankees in 96, right? Right. I don't know. I mean, when is Whitey there till? Whitey was there until Tory. There's somebody between maybe there's somebody between Tori and Larusa. You know what this show needs? Some guy, needs some sort of research assistant. A guy, yeah, a guy dedicated to looking up this sort of thing while we're doing a show. Do we have that? I is think that, is that available? I think we could probably whip it up quickly if we uh if we knew exactly what we were looking for. Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm checking it out. You know, I'm not happy about it. I I uh, <laughs> what? You got it? No, I, no, almost. You punched I it thought, up. I feel like there was somebody between them though. All right, and I can't remember because it was the year. It was right around the strike. I'm looking on the super reliable uh, uh, Wikipedia. I have the same thing up. The same page open. Boy, this is good radio. This it was Tory. It was Tory until '95. Joe Torrey, and then, Zog, right, okay. And then how about this? Mike Jorgensen was the interim manager in 1995. I was going to – you know what? I'm not I don't even for that. I was going to say that. Yeah, but, I don't remember. a joke. <laughs> I was going to make a joke that it was Jorgensen. I don't know That's why funny. that name popped into my head. I guess it's because you were there, number 22 I, in your program. Yeah, I, I, it's weird. I don't remember him being the manager. I also don't remember Red Shandies being the interim manager in 1990. No, nobody remembers that. <laughs> For 13 games. I don't even know if Red Shandies remembers that. He probably doesn't. He was like, w- I was? <laughs> I'm not sure if Red Shandies is still alive. I feel like we shouldn't be talking about this. Well, but Larusa was there for 15 years, and how long was he with uh, He was with Oakland for... 114 years. No, he wasn't with Oakland for 114 years. Come on. He was there a while. He was only there for nine years. Oakland is nine years. Yes, that's right. Let's right. Well, you know we can link right to Tony Larusa. That's what that? I just did. <laughs> so the White Sox. Here I am. I'm just reading what I'm what I'm looking at on Wikipedia. White Sox seventy nine to eighty six. A's eighty six to ninety six. Fifteen years. Yeah. It's almost as if I've read the newspaper and I'm just regurgitating what I read today. Yeah, I know. Good job. Very similar to that. That's not what you're doing at all. Stop mm. that. I'm just saying. That's what I'm doing. That's not what you're doing. Let's get back. Let's finish up on Tony Larusa because we got bigger fish to fry I'm here. I finished with Tony Larusa. I just wanted to say that we make fun of him quite a bit, but I, I, I dare somebody to name me a manager. Maybe Sosha. Sosha's the only other guy I can think about right now. Sosha's, yeah, Sosha's good. Who's that? Who's sort of that quietly that good? Been with the same team for a really long time, and also actually affects the game as a baseball manager. And now Sosha hasn't revolutionized the game as LaRusa has, but right. Uh he's he's a he's a revolutionary figure of our time, Tony LaRusa. How do you like that? Yeah. He yeah, well that's that's a grand statement, but I'll go with it. 
Now, what's it going to take for me to put you into advanced metrics tonight? What's it going to tonight? Happen? Tonight, you can't. I'm I'm walking off the lot tonight. You can't get me into it. Sorry. All right. Can I show you a little something in a uh, in a in a what in, in a BBAIP or <laughs> batted balls in play? Can I show you a little something in the line drive uh, uh, percentage? I don't know. I you know I was kind of looking at the at the at the VORP over there in the corner, but I just don't get it. Here's the only reason I say this, and and we we still need to do our Moneyball show. Maybe we'll do it next week with uh, not with uh, with Ted, but maybe we'll do it the week after with with Patrick with Flood. Maybe is Flooded be? I think I feel like Flood is ideal for that because he has gone all in on the sabermetrics. He totally has, but he's good at using them. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get like this with him. He's hey, you must understand. <laughs> As he twiddles his bow tie and that's that's correct. Pushes his glass. <laughs> there is only there is only warp. <laughs> He's not nerdy about it. Like he he actually uh, he makes like he doesn't he doesn't turn into Rick Moranis when he's talking about sabermetrics. <laughs> okay, who brought the dog? Um, Rick Moranis' performance in Ghostbusters and Spaceballs, two of the finest comedic performances you'll see. By a Canadian. No, I'm, I'm, throw out Canadian. Oh, you, oh, for anybody. They are fantastic performances that hold up very, very well. <laughs> Who else is playing Lewis Cully in that movie? <laughs> I, I don't know. He's magnificent. And as... It is, what is going on over there? What's with the... Oh, you, you hear that? What is that? Yeah, that's my daughter, who's just screaming for me right now. Oh, no. Is that yeah. Emma? No, no, no. That's the, that's the older one. Oh, Julia's... Or Emma's... Uh, she's had enough. She's out. No, she's she's she hits the pillow at 8 o'clock, and she's gone at 8 one. Wow. Magnificent. She lives hard, though. She she lives a hard day. She does. And she really, you know... She hits it. Needs, she needs to recharge at the end of the night. She hits it hard. The reason that I bring up the sabermetrics is because we're getting into all these arguments about Jose Reyes. For those of you who don't know, Jose Reyes became a free agent at 12.01 a.m. on, what was it, Wednesday? It would be Thursday morning, yeah. Thursday morning. And uh, this town is on fire, folks. Now, I, w- I want to talk to you specifically, Cal, about one thing. We've been going back and forth on this and and, and uh, BlackBerry IMing and all this stuff. I bring up the sabermetrics because they are going to become, at some point in this argument, they're going to become very important. I feel like for – I feel like the regular stats are not enough with Jose Reyes. I feel like you have to go to war. You have to go to this. You have to go to that because the camps are so – Divided right now. It's like it's like, you know, Democrats and Republicans. I mean, there's no middle ground. You're either the Wilpons are screwing this up and the Mets should sign them back and they're cheap and it's a disaster, or it's uh we're not giving you know the, the you're not gonna give Jose Reyes seven years, blah 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 blah. Like there's no middle ground or and you 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 don't need to have a New York payroll to win and all this stuff. And my whole point, I was talking uh, to one of the guys at work today who's a big Mets fan, and, and, and a pretty good one, and a realistic one. 
And we came up, we came to the conclusion, and tell me what you think of this, Bri. Take the Wilpon Madoff nuttiness out of the equation, okay? So let's say that Madoff and that whole thing, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that wish this were true, didn't exist. Okay, and we, we still just had the lousy owners that were the Wilpons. But the Madoff situation didn't exist. What's the most you're going for Jose Reyes at age 28 with three trips to the DL for his hamstrings, one trip to the DL for his thyroid, another trip to the DL for his oblique, a 2010 where he played 39 games? Okay, what's the max you're going on him? Well, it depends. It depends on what kind of payroll they're going to have. No, it de- no, no. T- that's what I'm saying. Take that out of the equation. Then I give him whatever he wants. Steve, at this point, I would give if if money was no object, I would give him whatever he wants. I'm not because saying- he's. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. All right, no, no, no. Lay the ground rules here because I guess I'm misunderstanding. There's I, what's the not, playing field not here? That money is no object. Money is never not. No objects for any. Wait, that's not. All right. Well, let's well let's well, here. Let's let's put it this way. Let's say they could have a hundred and sixty or hundred and seventy million dollar payroll. Okay. You know, similar to what similar to what they've they've been running the last few years. Sure. Okay. Not quite uh, two hundred plus like the Yankees, but up in the high, you know, mid to high. Say one fifty. I mean, one fifty is fine. One fifty, one sixty, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, that would allow you to sign Jose Reyes for a twenty million to a twenty million dollar contract this year, right? And it would also give you, with with all of the contracts coming off the books this year, the Peralta Perez, Luis Castillo, um, K Rod, Beltran's gone. All those, you know, yeah. That all comes off the books. They've created a lot of a, a lot of extra payroll here, and if money is no is no issue with this team, and they can operate the way that we all hope and wish and think they should be able to operate as as a New York franchise, you could sign Jose Reyes to a twenty million dollar contract this year, and you could sign them to a six year deal if you wanted to, because you're not, you're gonna you're not gonna like it at the end. But you're going to have the money. But you, I know, I know, and that's we're on the same page with that. But what I'm trying to say is, you're not going to like the contract at the end, but you'll deal with it to try to win now because you're going to have the money at the end to make it go away. You see what I'm saying? I I think I do. But so if money, if if Madoff is not in the picture, I would give, I would give, I would say, okay, go out and shop your offers around and come back. And we'll top the best offer. We'll give you the best offer. Or we'll come in just under the best offer if you really want to stay here. We'll, make, we'll, we'll work with you. That's what I think. Okay, here's my problem with that. He's too good. No, no. That's fine. Here's my problem with that. There's one team, maybe two, but essentially one team that does that, and that's the Yankees. Okay, and look at what the Yankees are going to be facing in the next three years. Okay, first of all, they, they've won one World Series in the last 11 years. Okay, for that one World Series, they have spent $750 million. Okay, almost, a, or actually, it's got to be over a billion dollars by now. Okay, Cal, next year, even in the next three years, they're going to have A-Rod on their, on their payroll at $30 million a year at age 37, 38, and 39. They're going to have Teixeira on their payroll at 20, 
at uh, whatever it is, twenty million a year or eighteen million a year. Uh, he is clearly declining. They're going to have Jeter on their payroll at fifteen million dollars a year at ages thirty-seven, thirty-eight, and thirty-nine. They're going to have. I, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? And that's all well and good. The problem becomes at the end of those contracts at, and those last years, you can't do anything from a baseball standpoint because what are you going to do? Move a $20 million player or trade him? Nobody wants the contract. It's not enough to just say that, oh, the last you know couple of years or you're not going to like them. But the last couple of years are going to hinder you from winning. And by signing this player now to the $20 million, there's no guarantee you're going to win now because you're not the Yankees. And because you haven't won with him yet. That's I, fair. I just feel like, but, 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 saying all of that, Brian, my problem is, still, I don't like being told I can't afford him. As a Met fan. Because we're not in a vacuum. Madoff does exist. Our owners are broke. They Did claim... It? It, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Well, I mean, it's it it's really insignificant when you stop and think about it. It's not insignificant to the people that lost their jobs, obviously. It just but looks awful. What we're talking just, about is, after yeah. all the stuff of Jose Reyes all day going back and forth in the media... And and on Twitter and 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 uh, the fans, Met fans, really being polarized. The Mets at 5:15 today released a press release that, oops, uh, we're also cutting 10% of our non-essential baseball staff, off the field staff, and and laying off 10%. Uh, uh, so people lost jobs today. Yeah, but here's the, he, the but here's the prize. Oh, you know, I thought they said they didn't have financial problems. Blah blah blah. Well, here's the problem. They can't. They have to do it now because any later than now, you're doing it right before the holidays, and that would make them look even worse. Right. And then they can't wait till after the holidays because now you're carrying this payroll for the next two months. Right, but the question becomes, Cal, why do they even need to do it? Because they have no money. We know they have no money. <laughs> we know that. They're all the same look. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. What I hate what, – what, what, Oh, and this just kills me. Is constantly you hear that it's not it's not the same money. This one this this will not affect payroll. That that was the uh, that was that was kind of like the byline of the uh, of the press release today. This will not affect payroll. Yeah. What about yeah. the forty million dollars they're spending on the walls, which we'll get to? They're not spending forty million dollars. That's what I read. It was forty million dollars. Who wrote that? I saw it. It was all over the interwebs. It's got to be some. Was it someone with an agenda? Well, that doesn't narrow the field down. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, but I, Cal, I need, I need you and I, or we, as it were, to uh, parse this out. Okay. So I wanna parse it. Out. I wanna, I wanna take it in little bite-sized pieces. Good. I've been dying to do this. There are uh, Adam Rubin and I today. Uh, he actually addressed me, so I know he was seeing what I was tweeting. Um, and, and I appreciate that. I certainly uh, do appreciate that. Adam Rubin uh, today seemed to, as uh, one guy on Twitter called it, go rogue and just start just ripping Mets management mercilessly for the fact that they're not going to be able to afford to sign Jose Reyes. The best part about it was that it just it kind of started out of nowhere. 
It really did. And then it was, and it was just rapid fire. Boom, 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 boom. And then he would take a break, like he was reloading. I hate to make, I hate to make the analogy like that, but he kind of took a break. Did some research, had his guys in research put some information together for him, and then they came back, boom, 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 and shot some more stuff at you. And it was just like rapid fire, constantly, all day, he all was, day. He was like the Colts going down the field against the Jets. It was <laughs> bing, 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 boom, boom, boom. Uh, he'd, take, he'd take a timeout, he'd reload up, up, reload, and then, and then the great one, Manning, Adam Rubin, bing, 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 boom, boom, boom. No, so the one bite-sized piece is this idea that uh, what what is a New York payroll? So the Mets are not going to have a New York payroll. They're going to parse their payroll down to – got to stop saying parse. They're going to trim their payroll down to – I haven't said it yet. From 100 – you got one. From 146 or whatever down to like 110 because Sandy Alderson keeps talking about payroll flexibility – this is obviously going to – they have $62 million on the books for five players uh, committed to next year. So one bite-sized piece says, shame on Mets management. You're in New York in the biggest city in the world, and you are not going to be players for a homegrown player because you can't afford them. And you're going to sell the fans that your best player, uh, you're going to be fine without them. And you're going to sell the fans on the idea that that you you, you uh, are trimming payroll for payroll flexibility, so we can sign other guys or do other things or whatever. It's nonsense. He's one of the best players in the game. He's yours. He's homegrown, and you're going to let him walk, right? Right. Then there, there's there's another school of thought, or another bite-sized piece, which is what I went at Ruben with today. Which was, where do you draw the line on bad contracts? Like this contract with Jose Reyes, if you, and I love Jose Reyes. Love Jose Reyes. Let's just let's, let's lay that out on the table right now. We both agree that in a perfect world, we would keep Jose Reyes. We want him here. We, we are huge fans of his. We want him here. We wish there was a way that they could keep him. But it's becoming increasingly likely that we're not going to be able to keep him. He's not going to stay here. Some other team is probably going to break the bank on him. So we're looking at it now from a more pragmatic view, a more realistic view of, and I'm going to start using the same words as them, organization sustainability. You know, we're looking at this not in a vacuum, not for 2012. Which you know we were challenged on. You know, let's come come ask us in July of 2012 how you feel. We're not looking at it like that. We're looking at this as a big picture Met organization deal. And I just want to I just want to get that out there first. No, you're absolutely right, and that's exactly true. And that and 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 that idea is: is it from a baseball and building a team standpoint? Is it a good idea to give a 28 year old leadoff man? Who relies on his legs and is uh, and don't tell me what he averaged six years ago. I don't care that five years ago he played 160 games. He's been on the DL three times with major hamstring issues over the last three years. So you're talking about a, a leadoff guy who relies on his legs. Who, uh, if you're giving him a six-year deal and that's going to escalate because you figure in the last two years of the deal he's going to make more than he makes at the beginning of the deal. 
Do you want $24 million or $23 million wrapped up in Jose Reyes in 2016 or 17? You know, the, the end, you know, when did the bad contracts stop? And, and, think of it, and think of it this way, Cal, which no one has brought up, okay? The Mets do actually have two very good pitching prospects, okay? In fact, Zach Wheeler was, what, like a top 10 Baseball America prospect, right? Yeah, he's, he's, he's re- currently ranked as the Mets' top prospect in the organization. Right. Thank you, Carlos Beltran. But then, um, but let's not forget, Matt Harvey will probably only wind up being a number three or a number four. And that's not a bad thing. That's okay. But that's probably what he projects as. That's nonsense. Um, All of a sudden now. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, I guess his 98-mile-an-hour fastball in the seventh inning of his last start, not good enough. Anyway, but the point is they have two very good pitching prospects in Harvey and Wheeler. Uh, so let's say those kids come to the big club in 2013, right? They're they're both, I think, what, 20, 21 years old, right? They're both kids. Yeah, I think Harvey's 21 or 22. Yeah, they're 21, 22, okay? Right. They come to the big club, and then, you know, in 2007, and they become great. In 2017, you're going to need to sign those guys. Organizational sustain- sustainability, you're going to be able to. You, you're going to have to. How much are you going to have to wrap up then? And you've got twenty six million dollars wrapped up in a guy who played thirty five games because of his hamstrings. It's not. It all I'm saying is, and all we're trying to say, I think, in this other camp, is that it's not a no brainer to go give Jose Reyes seven years and one hundred and twenty million dollars, especially when they have limited resources to do that. If they're going to, because that's like right now. That's what they have. You can essentially say that's what they've got. And if you're going to give it all to Jose Reyes right now, you can't have anything else. And this team needs a lot more than just Jose Reyes. And and look, it sucks, Bri. I hate it. I hate. Of course it, it does. I, I despise our ownership. I always have. This is not in in defense of the Wilpons. What bothers me the most – so I'm in that camp. I'm in that – it's not a no-brainer to give Jose Reyes, regardless of money, or, or I should say regardless of the financial strapness of the Wilpons. It's not a no-brainer to give the guy seven years. We're not the Yankees. No one is. But here's the rub, Bri. You ready? Mm. Here's the sound bite. Get ready. Get your tape recorder ready. This is the one we're going to put on uh, in the press packet. <laughs> I hate that that decision of whether to sign him or not is being made for me because of the Wilpons and money and the Madoff situation and the situation that they're in. The decision has been made for me. I can't. It's been made for them. I can't even hope that somebody comes in at six years and 115 and my ownership says, you know what? Jose Reyes, we love him. Six for 120. They can't. And that well, decision has been made for me. They can't, Brian. They can't. Well, they they could. No, they can't. See, that's they, what everybody is sort of missing in this equation. Why can't they? Because it would put the organism. It, it, it risks. They cannot commit that sort of money to six years from now. They can't. Because of the financial limitations of the team. They can't. 
and because the lawsuit is not settled. It's still not settled, and because they don't know what they might owe, and because they don't know what they might have to sell off to keep the team. They can't. They may say they can until they're blue in the face and they just don't want to because it doesn't make good organizational sense. They cannot if they want to keep the team. They can't. Well, you you tell me you show me how many how many deals that will be on the books for this team for 5 years from now. Show me. And that that would that would potentially wrap up let's say 100 million dollars in payroll. 5 years from now? 4 or 5 years from now. I want to see this is I'll, I'll do you one better, Bri. I want to see tell me who the next person they make a more than four-year commitment to. Tell me the next player. It's going to be nobody. They have no big money wrapped up in anyone after except Santana, right? They have Santana for four more years? No, they have Santana for two more years. That's it. And then Bay for two more years. Well, they have Bay for 12 and 13. And then have, he's got a, and then he's got an option in they 14. Have right, right. They have right for 12 with an option for 13. And they have Santana for 12 and 13, and they've got an option for 14. Yeah, for 14, okay? So they have nothing committed beyond two, literally, technically, beyond 2013. Well, the, 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 the Bay option will automatically vest yeah. if, if, if he stays healthy. He's not concussed. I'm just saying, I, I would be shocked to see this team make a long-term commitment to anyone. Financially, they can't. They can't. So this is what kills me about the. And we've talked about Reyes enough. We're going to have to move on. Why? I don't know. We don't have to. We don't have to. I was just saying. I really want to talk football though with you. Well, we got plenty of time. It's only ten nineteen. Good. You got to be somewhere. I got nothing. It's Friday night. It's Friday night. You ain't got no job. <laughs> it's Friday. Uh, that's that's what that's what that kills you about. It. Now, Brian, let me ask you. You we're all over the place reading about this stuff, right? Apparently, he's going to sign with every other team except the Mets, right? I mean, I've literally seen him linked to nine teams already. Nine teams, really, really. There are nine teams that can afford seven years and one hundred twenty million dollars. Really, the best part about it is that every other team in the National League East apparently can afford him except the Mets. Yeah, every other team. Yeah, I, I missed where the uh, Florida, the Miami next year, next week, right? Next week, thank you. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming quickly. It's like Christmas. yeah. Uh, my, how can Miami afford that? Well, they got a new stadium. Okay. And uh, they, well, they're going to generate a lot of revenue from the new stadium. Their owners have deep pockets. They just have you got a new not stadium. To, They've just chosen not to empty their pockets, the owners of Florida. That's what, that's is, what it is. What does Hanley Ramirez get? Does he he gets get a lot. Does he have a contract? He does. He's the only one, I think, that's making some money down there. He uh, Didn't he like sign an extension or something? Yeah. That's right. But they're, you know, they're looking to make a big splash. And Washington, uh, off the heels of the Jason Worth contract, is just dying to throw another $130 million at somebody. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, because that went well. Right. Although, I have to say, I saw I saw something today that Washington was actually going to make a big play for Pujols. Oh, great. 
So I don't know what they're doing. They, they, are, oper- they are not operating under the premise of organizational sustainability down there. No. They're just, they're you know, just throwing money. Nobody Apparently nobody is when it comes to Albert Pujols or, or, or Prince Fielder. Right. Uh, so Hanley Ramirez Cal is signed through 2014. Okay, so he's got three years left on his deal, and it was a six-year, $70 million deal. Oh, okay, so he's only making $10 that's, million. That's very affordable, considering he's Hanley Ramirez. It sure is. So they're basically going to they're gonna do what? They're going to do $32 million in their left side of their infield? Is that right? And, and they're going to move Ramirez to third base. Yes. Well, he said he would do that. Right. He said he would do that for Reyes. I think that's a natural progression for him anyway because he's getting hurt quite a bit. He's only he's only 28 too. He'll be 28 uh December 23rd. Boy, that would be scary. Reyes and Ramirez at the top of that line. How'd you like to see that 18 times a year? Oh boy. Well, we or, Re- or Reyes at the top of the Phillies lineup. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the worst case scenario. The worst. What is the worst case scenario? It's the Phillies. It's got to be, right? It's far worse than the Yankees. I agree. Far A lot of people don't get that, though. Far worse. No, it, it, it's the Phillies. It's seeing him 18 times a year in a Philly uniform, uh, especially where the Phillies are right now with Halliday and Lee and well, they don't have Oswalt anymore. We know he'll be Yankee. Um, but Halliday and Lee and Hamels, you add Jose Reyes to that team, oofa. And he and he'll hit twenty. He'll hit twenty-two home runs in that ballpark too. Well, but you know, you add Jose Reyes to that team, but you don't have Ryan Howard for part of the year next year. Chase Utley is not no, no, Chase no, Utley that's anymore. Not, that's not true, Bry. Ruben Amaro. Ruben Amaro was on the fan over the weekend last week with uh, Eddie Coleman, Eddie C. And uh, supposedly he is on track and uh, probably missed maybe like the first two weeks of the season. Oh, oh well, okay. Yeah, well, everything works out, you know, sort of great. That's nice. Yeah. I felt good about that. You know, I was happy about that. It's good to see. It doesn't... It, when you're a fan of a team, it doesn't always have to be about the immediate year that you're in, if there's a plan. And I've got to tell you something. They, they get knocked a lot, this, ownership, this uh, front office group, by the writers. They get knocked left and right because they are smarter than the writers. And the writers can't handle that. And they can't get their head around what it means to have a plan for sustainability. Can't get around that because it's all about well now what what are you going to do now? 2012 is going to be awful. It's going to be awful. You have no money. You can't you can't field the team next year. You might as well forfeit. But then if you forfeit, we'll have nothing to write about. So just run a bad team out there so we can rip you and and just you know F7 on the computer auto auto pilot and run the same article every day. They can't get their head around that. And my and real quick, my point is. I trust this own I trust this group. I trust this management group that they do have a plan and that they do know how to operate on a smaller budget and that they have an eye for talent that they can go out there and sign guys that you might not think about to a, to a relatively cheap contract. And I know that they're not going to contend next year. And I know that they're probably not going to contend in 2013, but I'm okay with that if it means that starting in 2014 and beyond they will be a consistent contender. I'm okay. 
there's a, a, a real big misconception among New York fans that they will not stand for rebuilding. Absolutely, won't have it. We can't have it. We're New York. We're New Yorkers. We can't rebuild. You know, we're tough. You know, I'm not a rebuilder. I'm a New Yorker. No, that's not. I'm, I don't feel that way though. I don't know how you feel. I, I will sacrifice the next two years if it means the following ten years I have a chance of making the playoffs every year. I that's all oh, fair. I, and I agree, and I do think this owner, this uh, front office takes a beating in the in in, in the new, in the local media. I will also say, I was told today by one of those uh, media types that I I don't know just how bad this 2012 team is going to be, and how bad it's going to get around here. And I'm thinking, I guess you know, we're thinking what 62 and 100, like we're we're looking at a 60 win team. Yeah. Um I you know everybody what don't you know, but, but what don't you know? I that, that they know. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's what not going to get missing. Well, I don't know how I could possibly I don't know how he could know that and I don't since we're 4 days into free agency. <laughs> 4 over 2 days. I mean they 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 could go sign up with pool holes tomorrow. I mean they're not going to. But you know, how do you know that? Unless he's in on those meetings that they're having, which plans the next uh, year. Well, Brian, let's talk about a source close to, a source familiar with their thinking, and my favorite, someone who hangs out with him a lot. <laughs> you can't make it up, Brian. This was actually in one of the local papers in the same paragraph. A writer said, a close friend of Jose Reyes has said he won't give the Mets a hometown discount. And some, and another second source, someone who hangs out with Jose Reyes a lot, literally, that's <laughs> what it said. Did it, well, it didn't, it didn't say someone who hangs out with him a lot. Someone who's, I'm sorry, it, this is the exact quote, Bri. Someone who spends a lot of time with Jose Reyes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> a second source. Who spends a lot of time with Jose Reyes? So apparently, first of all, this close friend doesn't spend very much time with Jose Reyes because we need <laughs> this whole second source who spends right. time with him. Right. I said, "What was it? His, his six-year-old daughter? Maybe, maybe that's the source. She spends a lot of time with him." Daddy's going free agent. Uh, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so sick of seeing a source or. Someone familiar with their thinking. I mean, just say it's you. But you know what? Here's a newsflash, media types. We know that. You don't have to create a story that a source said that Jose Reyes is not going to give the Mets a hometown discount. Really? Re <laughs> really? Because I kind of thought he would. I thought maybe he'd give him a discount because he loves the team so much and he, and he really understands the, the strife the financial strife that the Wilpons are going through. And he might cut, cut him some slack. But until you talk to his nanny, now I know. There's no chance. He's got no, no shot that he's going to give him a hometown discount. Thanks for well, clearing it up, boys. Good job. Good thing you brought that source in. Good job. I had no it. idea. Great job. Wow. There. Way to hustle. Set me straight. Look, hey, we, we, we could get all super fired up about it. I, I, I want to ask I you. Am. I am. I know. I trust I trust in the I trust in the front office as well, Brian, and I and and 
I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the story again. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. And we can throw out all the saber metrics and the stats and stuff like that. You know, it's a great podcast for that. Mostly Mets. Those guys are fantastic. Toby Hyde, wonderful job with they the know Mets, their stuff. They know their stuff. You know, and, yeah. and Ted uh, Berg and, and Patrick Flood. They'll bring stats to the table. They bring. They know the organization inside and out. They're great fans, and they do a great podcast. Okay, I'm not gonna get that deep into saber metrics and stuff like that, but I will tell you this. I'll say it again. They're not going to contend in 2012 and 2013, right? The Cardinals won the World Series. The Rangers were a strike away. And that would have given us, what, eight different World Series winners in the last 10 years? Yeah. Right? I think there's been eight in the last 11, okay? And when I went to the Arizona Diamondbacks game on May the 6th of this year, on a Friday night against the Rockies, there were 15,000 people in the stands, and Mark Grace told me, what are you going to do? It's a rebuilding year. You know, this is uh, they, they believe in Kirk Gibson, and uh, there's some good pieces here, and hopefully in a year or two they'll contend. Okay, the, the, this was a, an organization that was on its way to 90 losses and was two years away from contending. And they won 90 games and made the playoffs. So if you're going to sit here and tell me two days into free agency that you already know this is going to be a god-awful team next year. When they played two years ago without Jose Reyes for 130 games and won 79 games with Jeff Francoeur batting cleanup. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, I'm not buying. You have no idea how bad it's going to be. That's what I was told. You have no idea how bad. If you're a fan of the team. Now, I think right. what he was referring to there is, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how it's not obvious I'm a Mets fan from what I'm tweeting. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Cal, I think I I, I want to do free agency like in full another time, but I want to okay because I, I was looking at the list and it really is interesting and we're gonna do so much hot stove stuff. God, I just I love hot stove baseball. Um, and we're gonna have uh, Ted on, we're gonna have Patrick on stuff, but. Uh, just get go. Get go. Is there any chance that Jose Reyes doesn't get six or seven years from someone because of those injuries? And and the, is it is it just foregone? No chance he's a Met for five and a hundred. I don't think there's any chance he's a Met for five and a hundred. Okay, because he won't take it or because they won't give it to him? Uh, I don't think they will give him five years for $100 million. I think they would give him four and then come up with some sort of creative option for a fifth year. I think that, that's, I think that is the absolute highest that they will go. So could you see four at 85, right? Four, with four a fifth, at 85 with a fifth-year option. Yes, I could see that. And just you make the option games played in that fourth year. Whatever it is, at bats, games played, however you want to do it. Yeah. Stay healthy and, and, and you'll get that fifth year. I could see them offering him that. Okay. Um, someone's going to blow that away. Someone's going to come in with a sixth year guaranteed. Really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, it just blows my mind. Baseball just blows my mind. I just—I know, but I mean, but I mean, look, look at him. I don't get it. How do you not go look at a Carl Crawford or or a, or a Jason Worth contract? Or better yet, Cal, go back and look at six or seven year deals that other guys sign that are terrible. You know how you don't look at that, Steve? 
What, how, look at Jose Reyes in the first three months of the season. Okay. They're a better player in baseball. Yes. They're, well, okay. Were there, were there five better players in baseball? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that's how you do it. If you, if you are going all in on Jose Reyes, you are taking that leap that you're going to get that Jose Reyes for 150 to 155 games a year. For the next six years, he's only 28 years old. He plays shortstop. But Cal, you have to know there's no possible chance you're going to get that for six years. There's no chance. I know that. I know that. I agree. There's There's no no chance. chance. I I am no sort of uh, Kreskin. Boy, way to be topical, Steve. (laughs) Way to be current. But I can tell you right now, if he signs a six-year deal – I'm telling you, there are three years in there he does not play more than 120 games. Easily. Just can't. It's the way he plays the game. And he's got bad hamstrings. I know. Ah. But then, he, but, then, so but then he, my question is, Bri, then if they can't get him for that four, uh, four years, fifth option, so call it five years, call it what it is, okay? If they can't get him for that, is he worth it? And I I will answer it in the same horribly uh, qualifying way that I did earlier today. And I hate doing it, but with him, it it really applies. The guy that plays 150, 155 games, the guy that we saw the first three months of the season, he's absolutely worth it. If he does not play 150 games, if he's hurt for even 20 games in a season, 20, 25 games, then it's not worth it. That's just way too much money to invest in a guy that's going to miss a month of the season. But if he's not going to miss that month, he's he is a completely dynamic player with skills that not many players have in the league. And and we have seen when he's healthy for seven years, he can change a game single-handedly. Okay. And 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 to me, that's you know, that's worth every penny you give him. But the, you got to qualify it with the fact that he's always hurt, and if he misses a month of the season, it's not worth the money that he's going to get. You have to qualify by saying he's not going to finish out that contract. Well, he's going to finish out the contract, but he's not going. I'm saying, but you know what I mean. He's not going to play that contract. I can't see. I can't see him. He's he's a, he's a crash and burn guy. You know, I can't see him at age 34 being even remotely the same player that he is right now. See, this is the difference. Okay, so <laughs> this is the one my buddy threw at me today, and I think it's fascinating. How much does Pujols get? Does he get 30 a year? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's going that high. Okay. Does he get 28? Wow, that was <laughs> that was – you're really taking this in. I am. Well, I, I want to I give you an educated answer. I don't want to just – Pulos is 31 years old. Okay, right. Let's start. Let's start with the years, though. How many years is he going to get? Is he going to get a 10-year contract? No. Let's say he gets a seven-year deal. Right. Seven-year deal for 200 million dollars. Okay. I could see that. All right. So that averages to less than 30 a year, but more than 25. Right. Yeah. He's making more than CC. Yeah, he's he's making, just he, under 20. Just under. 28 or so. Yeah, just under 28. Whatever. Let's say 28, okay, for seven years. 
Now, you're going to give Jose Reyes $20 million a year for the next six years, when for $8 million more a year, or essentially $48 million more, right? Is that right? My math is terrible. Something like that. Whatever it is. I, I You could have Albert Pujols, who when he's 37, will still be hitting bombs and doesn't rely on his legs. And you're not necessarily eating the last three years of that contract. So you know what? If I'm the Mets, go sign Albert Pujols with that money. <laughs> they like Davis. Move Ike Davis to right field. Move mm. Lucas Dew to the left. Put Bay in center. But but you know what I'm saying? A contract like that for Albert Pujols makes sense to me. He can still hit bomb. He can still hit 35 bombs and be worth something at the end of that contract. Right. Jose Reyes at the end of that contract is going to has a very good potential to be worthless. I I, I have a hard time believing he's going to be worthless. Albert Pujols to the Mets. Let's do it. Is that that's your new initiative? <laughs> no, certainly not. No, I don't. I don't want to be that guy. I'd like to live in the reality of the land that we live in. You know, Albert Pujols used to play third base. So what do you think of this? Oh boy, you you put Pujols at third, you move A Rod back to short, you put Jeter in left. And then uh, Prince Fielder could be the DA. You need the DH at that point. Sorry. So how about sign Fielder for the DH? How about Fielder? What do you think? I mean, what do you think about that? I'll hang up and let you and listen to you. What do you got? Right. And then you got to you know Teixeira, Cano, A Rod at short, Pujols at third, Jeter in left, Grandison in center. I think we'll probably need somebody like Lance Berkman back. You no, know, we'll, no, Swish is Swish is okay. Swish is good. You're right. You're right. Swish is good. good. And we got Montero behind the plate and Prince Fielder at DH. This is, of course, after we trade for King Felix. Right, right. Oh, they'll take they'll take uh, Jabba for King Felix, right? Straight well, up. We trade Jabba. We trade uh, Jabba. Hughes, because <laughs> Hughes is no good no more. Jabba, Hughes, and uh, should stop. We're making fun of the, the, that's not. We should stop. There are, Met, there are Met fans just like this, too. We'll send Swish out there, and then we'll get King Field. Because you know why? Seattle's not going to want to pay him. Right. So they, go, so they have to trade him. We should stop, Ryan. We're casting aspersions at Yankee fans. It's not right. Met, Met, there, there are so many idiotic Met fans, it's back. Yeah, I know. However, listen. Question. Hmm. Query. LSU Alabama tomorrow night, number one versus number two. Two of the top defenses in the country. Les Miles, Saban. Any interest? The truth, Brian. <sighs> you, why, you're gonna you're gonna throw me under the bus here as I host a sports talk radio <laughs> show. I have no interest in that game. Okay. I don't. I'm sorry. I just I don't have any interest in college football. If that was a bowl game, would you be interested? I might. I might have a little more interest, but even then, 
I, they've, they're just so screwy with the bowls, and I, I just I don't understand. I don't understand. BCS is like sabermetrics to me. I don't understand it. Well, BCS is worse than sabermetrics. At least there's a, a key for sabermetrics. Yeah, well, that's true. I just I don't get it. What about you? Are you into it? Are you going to watch it? I'll watch it. You are? I think so. What about Islanders caps? I'll be, flipping, I'll be flipping back and forth. That's the truth. Speaking of getting a win. Gee whiz. Oh, boy. How about a goal? Forget about a win. <laughs> you know? Let's start small. How about, how, about, how, about you, how about you light the lamp? I mean, uh, this, just real quick, 10 goals in seven uh, – no. 18 goals in their first uh, – 10 games. 10 games. That's right. That's an all-time, all-time low. Yeah, for the franchise. Right, and they've had some pretty bad years. The, the problem is they're peppering with like 35 shots a game too, and they're just not scoring. It's very frustrating. Uh, Scott's already ready to give up on the team. It's great. Yeah, well, it's... my son Scott is a huge, huge Islander fan, as many of you know, and uh, he sent me the text after last night's game. Ocposo sucks. You know, ba- <laughs> Bailey's a waste. Blow it up. I'm like, Scott, you're turning into uh, Steve, the Steve version of a Met fan. <laughs> when I when I declare the season over after the Mets lose three games in uh, in April. But um, the only problem though is, is it's eerily similar to this exact time last year when they won one game out of twenty four. They went they went like one nineteen and four. Um, I I will watch. I will flip back and forth. I'm interested. You can't deny that it's a big game. I, I get that. How often do one and two meet this late in the season? I mean, we should have had Hubie on. We could have had Hubie on, our NCAA guy, our NCAA football guy. He's pumped. Oh, my gosh. Did you talk to him about it? Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I can talk to him about it. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's receiving text messages. He is through the roof. Either that or he'll just talk your ear off completely, breaking down the game and matchups. We, and... we could have done two hours solid with Hubie tonight. <laughs> He might have gotten. Then I probably would have watched. I would have been so psyched to watch it after talking to him. Well, that's what he does. He gets you. He he gets you pumped up for it. But he. he I don't know why the NCAA doesn't pay him a salary. The way he talks about them, he, he's a great salesman for him. He should be on the payroll. I, I I can tell you he'll be watching tomorrow. I, I I'm going to watch a little bit, Bry. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Plus, you know what? I can always write it off. It's. It's like a tax write-off. I can always write it off to scouting, <laughs> scouting for the Jets. You know, well, like it's, yeah. it's a scouting, it's a, it's, it's a scouting trip. I write it off. What now? Are you are you versed enough to explain to me what this game means? No. Okay. I mean, obviously, Doctor means- Erase Test is unavailable. Oh. Okay. We did not know that. Oh. <laughs> Who was that? I don't know. Ready to unload is sponsored by the Mets, the Jets, and the Mafia. What what is happening? Is our producer he is. back in, involved? He is on the line. Uh Pop Culture PJ. Let's bring him in. PJ. I'm uh, sorry. You're scaring the straights. What are you doing? <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna talk about statistics so that I could say Doctor Re-Race Pash is unavailable. <laughs> we did. We talked. We, we I know. Even, we even said, "Boy, wouldn't it be great if this show had a guy specifically to look things up for us while we were doing the show?" Uh-huh. We must, must not be. have been listening at that point. 
What are you doing over well, there? Well, no, I was, putting, doing? I was putting together the sound clip. Did Apparently, you know you're sponsored by the Mafia? We did not know we're sponsored by the Mafia. And <laughs> what's, what's what's the first rule of being sponsored by the Mafia? Put them first in the, in the list of sponsors? No, don't make a sound clip about being sponsored by the Mafia. Always put them ahead of the Mets. Ready to unload is sponsored by the Mets, the Jets, and the Mafia. Does, is the Mafia doing sponsorships now? <laughs> they underwrite a few things. Yeah, I mean, can we go to them and be like, ready to unload, brought to you by La Cosa Nostra? Best you wait, they come to you. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Thanks, Peach. Thanks for creeping us out. Good job. Hey, do you think the Mets should sign? Do you think the Mets should sign Jose Reyes back, Peach? Jose Reyes. I don't like. Uh, I don't like the, uh, the 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 big amounts of uh, money being tossed about. I don't like it. You think I don't like big money ball? I never did. All right, it's too much money. You want a, You want a nice scrappy team that you can get behind. Damn right. Like a bunch of a bunch of little scrippers. Lunch pail gang. Lunch pail gang. Yeah, bring that lunch pail to the ball game. They all wear blue collars and get their fingernails dirty. So you had to think about that because you were thinking maybe I like a very fancy team. (laughs) No, no, no. Dirt on their faces, dirt under their nails, unkempt hair. Dirty. Chewing chewing the tobacco, spitting the tobacco, and not making $100 million over five years. Come on. That's That's a lot of cheddar, isn't it? I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't care. do it. I don't, I don't like when anybody does it. Fair enough. I think I, I think it's gone a long way to ruin the sport. I agree. Totally agree. Now, uh, before, we're about to talk about the Jets and Bills and the Giants and Patriots. Can you talk? <sighs> can you can you be rational and talk about the Jets and the Bills? All I can say is that I love watching that game every year. But this year especially, right? Tell me why. Tell me why I should be liking it even more. Because the Bills are 5-2 and two for the first time in 814 oh, oh, years. Oh, oh, oh. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. This, this I, is, well, look, in, when it comes to a head-to-head division type thing, I, I always pull for the Jets over the Bills. Okay. This, this is well known. However, <laughs> I grew to like the Buffalo Bills during my time in Binghamton where I met a lot of gregarious Bills fans. They brought me into the fold. I see. This is the first time... Right, this is the first time, like, ever, that both teams are good and playing playing each other. I don't know if the Jets are good yet. Ooh. What? Well, we're just about to talk about that. I think they are good. I, I, well... I think they're improving. But I think I think a this, lot of it has to do with Sanchez's heart rate. I think when he gets too worked up, the the, the mistakes are uh far too frequent. So you're saying we you need to relax. We, we need to relax in the first half. The first half, he's a nervous Nelly, for lack of a better term. This is where you get the best sports analysis, folks. Ready to unload with Sam Pete. Johnny Walker Blacks. 
<laughs> where you where you, he he is a nervous Nelly. But please try to keep the jargon to a minimum. There are a couple of non-sports fans listening out there. You know what, though, Peach? You said this at the beginning of the football season. Okay? Oh, yeah. And you know what? You didn't know it at the time. You could not be more right. Outwit, outlast, out Sanchez. <laughs> That's right. This season has really turned into Survivor for this team. Rex Ryan is about to blow a fuse. Uh, you know he's he's burning himself out very quickly. Uh, Sanchez is uh, they're, uh, they're they're sniping at each other. They're yelling at each other. But look, this week, huge game, huge game. I am pumped for this game, and I'll tell you why, Brian. I think this is it. I think this is where they take off. I think this team is ready to pardon the pun, take off, like the Jets that they are. Correct. Yeah. No, I, I no, I really do. I really, I really feel like this this team is ready to go out there and put together a performance against a a very good Bills team, and I think a for real Bills team. Uh, but I I, I think uh, th- this is the week that they come out there and they're very physical. They're able to run the ball to keep uh, drives sustained uh, well enough. But don't don't be surprised. They're not going to run for 275 yards in this game, Brian. They could run they could run for 140, but they can run to keep drives alive. This is a game where you have third and four, and Sanchez doesn't have to be in the shotgun throwing that stupid slant pattern that Brian Schottenheimer calls all the time. This is where you can run on third and four, maybe run a draw, maybe run a pitch, and pick up a first down and keep the chains moving. And I and I think they're past all the the the, the sort of infighting. I think they have gotten themselves to a place where they're comfortable with the personnel they have. Uh, and and the changeover and everything, I think the team starts to believe in each other. Um, And and I think this is a really good week for the Jets. I really do. I feel really, strangely as a fan, I feel really good about this game. I don't know why. Well, let me ask you a question then. Bring it. Are you concerned about the bye week? Are you concerned about the fact that Rex Ryan gave his team six days off last week? Well, he had to give them four, right? Right. Right. Uh, I, you know, I'm not tremendously concerned about the buy for two reasons. One, I think the sample size, somebody said this today uh, in one of the betting guides, and I totally agreed with it, and I thought it was a great way of putting it. And that's, you know, they've lost the two years that Rex Ryan has been coached coming out of the buy, but the sample size is two years. And who'd they play? Right. They played Jacksonville uh, two years ago, and they lost a fluky 24-22 game. Right. And they lost, and they got shut out by Green Bay 9 nothing last year. The Super Bowl champions, right? Super Bowl champions, and also they held them to nine points, and 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 you know six of those were set up by turnovers. So I'm just I'm just saying I, I think it's too small of a sample size. So I'm not tremendously concerned about it. And I also feel like the one of the biggest things for this Jets team, and I think it gets overlooked. Maybe it doesn't, but Nick Nick Mangold is the absolute quarterback of that offense. And to have him uh, another week of rest and and get healthy another week and have him closer to 100% um, is huge. I don't think you can you can quantify that. It's monstrous for that offense. Well, you know how you can quantify it. You look at the game that he missed. The two games he missed. Look at the two games that he missed and and look at the way they performed. Yeah. You can you can directly quantify 
quantify it like that. Right. The Raiders game and the and the Ravens game were disastrous for the offensive line. I think Nick Mangold being closer to 100% coming out of the bye against a uh, a Bills team that's flying around and doing a lot of things defensively. But look, are we buying the Bills, Cal? Are you buying them? I'm I'm worried about them. I'm I'm giving them the appropriate level of concern this week. I'm not going in going up there thinking it's, you know, these are the these are the same old Bills of the last 20 years where we're going to go in there and just run all over them. There's no way that's going to happen. This is going to be a real tough game for the, for the Jets to 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 pull out. Um I don't know if I'm quite buying them as the division leading 5 and 2 team that they appear to be right now, but they certainly deserve a lot more credit than we've ever given them in, in the last few years. Yeah, I you know, somebody had posted on one of the uh, the boards going back and forth and I thought this was interesting, you know, the changeover in personnel from the time that the Jets played them uh, the first time last year to this year. Um, but one of the changes that's not there in personnel is, is Fitzpatrick and Stevie Johnson, um, and, and Fred Jackson. I mean, it just, you know, you, you can't account. Have we seen, I'm trying, I was trying to think today of like, have we seen a running back or a player sort of do this? Like he's not coming out of nowhere. He's been around forever, you know, but who runs better when they're 29 than they did when they were 24? Yeah, not many. You know, he just seems to have found like a different gear, or maybe they're using him correctly. I don't know. But Chan, I think I think he's just matured. Yeah, but you know, how do you feel about? And one of my Jet fan buddies came to me today with this. You know, he said, "Look, you know, yes, their offense is going to present can present some problems for him because who do you put Revis on, and, and can you blitz them enough? And it's a lot of three step drop stuff, and they hit a lot of big passes, and look what they did to the Giants, et cetera, et cetera." Whatever he said, who do you like, Rex Ryan or Chan Gailey? <laughs> I, I I like the big guy, the big fella. Yeah, I mean, I think he can outcoach Chan Gailey. I think I think this is a game. We we've seen this game before with the Jets, and I think as long as they play smart and they don't beat themselves, I think they're going to be successful. I think they've got the right game plan against against this Buffalo team. Um, and I think their defense is really going to step up this week. As long as they don't – no penalties, no stupid penalties. Um, play smart. Don't take too many chances. You know, but it's like you got to be conservative, but you got to – but not – don't choke the team, Brian Schottenheimer. You know, don't be so conservative that you're just going to choke the team. Like, yeah, give give Sanchez some opportunity to make some plays. Um I'm concerned about the game, but I think it's important if the Jets want to win. Like Ladanian Tomlinson said, if they want to win the division, they got to win this game. It's flat out. Yeah, it's a must win. I mean, you know, the, next, the next two weeks are must wins if they have any designs on winning the division. Like we know that for sure. I think this is the kind of game, Bry, on offense where, and I watched uh, a lot of the Bills Redskins game last week. I watched a lot of it because the Jets were on by and it was on. And I was flipping back and forth on the Red Zone channel because I had somehow talked myself into thinking that the Redskins could maybe cover plus seven for one of the pools I'm in. And that worked out well. But that's, of course, due to uh, 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 Shanahan's insistence on sticking with uh, John Beck. I mean, holy cow. (laughs) It got to the fourth quarter of that game, and and I'm not a Redskins fan, or, you know, I wanted them to beat the Bills just for obvious divisional reasons or whatever, and I'm screaming at the TV. 
And when did you ever think you're screaming at the TV to put Rex Grossman in? Right. And I'm saying, how do you not put I, – I actually – the words actually came out of my mouth. How do you not put Rex Grossman in this game? And the law firm of Grossman and Beck, that's not going to get it done there. But um, mm, no. But I watched them a lot last week. There, you can't I, – I don't want the Jets to go into a shell. I, I think you have to attack with, with – and the guy to attack with this week a little bit through the air is Antonio Holmes. I think you want to do. I think you want to do a little bit of what the Bills are doing to teams, and that's spreading them out, running out of the spread. Okay, but also, you know, give me the if they're if they're giving you twelve, fourteen yards in coverage, which the Bills are doing a lot. They're swarming to the ball. They're playing some man. They're playing some zone. Uh, but if they're giving you twelve yards, you know, or ten yards on a cushion, give Santonio Holmes the, the seven step slant, hit it, and let him run with the ball. You know, like I don't think you can. I don't think you can necessarily hand the ball off fifty times in this game. I, I really don't. I'm not saying I, go, I don't say you go throw it forty. But to me, it's a nice thirty thirty mix. And you I should, agree. And you should run sixty plays. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you if you don't if you can't get sixty plays off against Buffalo, you got to get sixty plays off. But I don't. You're not going to run for three hundred yards in this game. Take some shots down the field. You know, give me the double move. Give me, give me a, uh, uh, you know, uh, the pump fake to Holmes, uh, and then the double move, or and then throw back to Braylon Edwards if he play or uh, Plexico Burst if he plays down the right side. Whatever, take some chances and be creative in the running game. Run out of the spread. They never run out of the spread. Nope. So I, I think the Jets should attack the Bills, like the Bills are attacking teams. I think that's the best way to attack this Bills defense. I agree. Now. Earlier this week, we had a little bit of um, – I we didn't talk about this, but I wanted to get your take on, on what I perceived as some manufactured controversy with the team. With the Jets? No. With, yeah, well, here's why, Steve, because it's been, it's been very quiet. They were on the bye week. Yeah. It's been very quiet around Jet Camp for about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, you had all the beat writers writing the same story. Is Santonio Holmes unhappy? Not happy with this. Well, and of course that was what inside football or pro football talk or whatever. Well, it was actually Rich Samini wrote the article. Is Santonio Holmes unhappy? Question mark. Right. And I and I, it it just felt so forced. And then when you read the story and you heard the quotes by Holmes, it was a non-story. It was a complete non-story that they were trying to make into something. They kind of latched onto the fact that hey, Santonio Holmes has not been as a part of this offense or as big a part of the offense as he's been in years past. We haven't heard anything from the Jets. He's a pretty controversial. Couldn't can't get that out. <laughs> uh, take two. He's a pretty controversial, loose-lipped figure. Wow. Let's see if we could stir something up. Yeah, and it, but it was based on a. There was an inside pro football, like online article, that the beat writers all picked up on, where supposedly Santonio Holmes whispered. Mm. That he was not happy with his role, so right. the beat writers jumped on that and the asked him about it, and he was like, "I didn't say it." Right. Oh, but he didn't deny it. No, 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 no. He <laughs> just he just said I didn't say it. Uh, you know. Uh, next question. Like, so Santonio Holmes, who's been in trouble already this season for opening his mouth, mm-hmm. sort of took the. Uh, oh, I'm. I, it doesn't really matter what I say. You guys are going to take it and spin it. 
So I'm not even answering that question. And yeah, right. they tried to they tried to drum up some some drama. Meanwhile, in the other side of town, boy, that that giant team's awfully chatty. Awfully chatty. Yeah, playing the yep. Patriots. Awfully chatty. You know who's really chatty are the is the giant secondary that Very um chatty. Do they really want to be uh poking the bear over there? Tom Brady and I just you know, the double standard is very frustrating. And, and of course, we, you know, Brian, we come at this as Jet fans, right? Okay, so right. let's 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 qualify what I'm about to say by the fact that we are Jet fans. And we do have a little bit of a chip on our shoulders about being the little brother in town. Because mm-hmm. no matter what Rex says, they're still the little brother in town. Okay? Right. But they basically, the Giants this week, Antrell Roll, some of the guys in the secondary, uh, Corey Webster, etc., they basically came out and said, Wes Welker isn't that good. He's overhyped. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Brady can be rattled. This, mm-hmm. that, All things that the Jets have said in the past and been accused of being the most trash-talking, class, classless team in captivity. Right? And the Giants said all of this. They, they named names. It's like the blacklist. I mean, they named names. They essentially said Wes Welker's not that good. Why is this okay? Apparently it was okay. <clears throat> there was no be- problem. Because they beat them in the Super Bowl four years ago? I guess. Like still? The Giants the Giants have a chip on their shoulder because they too are five and two and they feel like they're getting no respect playing the Patriots. Right. So they talked about that. Right. All week. Now, look, you want to talk about the game, Brian? I think the Giants have an excellent chance to win. I, I really do. Even as banged up as they are with Ahmad Bradshaw and Hakeem Nicks, I get it. I just feel like the Giants do something very, very well right now. They are a pass-first offense anyway. Right. And Eli Manning is playing at an extraordinarily high level. I think right now they match up perfectly against that terrible, terrible New England defense. Um, and, and so... At the very least, they can keep it close because they can move the ball through the air. And right now, again, the, the Giants are a pass-first uh, offense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the best way for them to move the ball. It has been, um, and also they have a front four that can generate pressure on Tom Brady without having the blitz. They still have it. These are like the two key elements that you would, that we saw the Steelers attack the Patriots with last week: ball control offense through the air something that Brian Schottenheimer just refused to do in that matchup. I don't think he understands that that's a concept that exists. Right. So ball control offense through the air, okay, and a defense that can put pressure on Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady had a lot of time to throw in that game. That's another game that I watched um, a lot of. Tom Brady, had. A, there were several downs where he was back there making a cappuccino. I mean, he had time. They were, they were maybe bringing three or four guys. But their coverage was so good that he really couldn't find anybody open, and they avoided the big play. I think the Giants can do the same thing, except they can – now, is, does Pierre Paul play? Is he playing, Cal? Because I think Pierre Paul is questionable. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's scheduled to play. Okay. Uh, but it, with that <clears throat> wonderful front four that they have with Tuck and Yuminura and uh, Kiwanuka and, and Pierre Paul, they can generate – uh, pressure on Tom Brady without having the blitz. 
right? right. So that's how you be. So I think the, the Giants actually have an excellent chance to win this week. Well, you're right. They match up against them, and, and, and their strength happens to be uh, the Patriots' weakness right now. Yes. You know, so that's where the matchup really favors them. Um, the, the, the point spread, if you're into those type of things, was what, eight and a half? It's eight and a half point? or nine or, or eight. It'll probably go off at eight. But the, but the, I but think it's going to be a close game, though. But there's a reason for that, Brian. They haven't lost two games in a row in, you know, in, in a in, – I'm not going to make another exaggeration of 100 years. But it's been a really long time. Since, and, and they haven't lost in Foxborough in the regular season in 20 games. Right. There's, there's, and the Giants struggled to beat Miami last week. They struggled to beat Miami. They, they lost to Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> you know, they, they barely beat the, the Cardinals. They but, got, this, but this giant team, this giant team is notorious, especially under Tom Coughlin, for playing, playing up, up or down to the yeah. opponent. Yeah. Notorious. So yeah. I would expect a big-time performance out of them this week. See, but just as, just as I say that, Brian, you know what happens? What? This is the kind of game where the Patriots come out and just in the regular season hasn't proven so in the playoffs of late. But remember, like all this leading up to the Jet game last year uh, on December sixth, the day my son was born, by the way. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank, thank goodness, something good happened that day. What time was he born? He's born in the morning. So he was alive for that game. Oh, he was born at the, at about six twenty in the morning, and then I went home from the hospital at about eleven, and I had DVR'd the game, uh-huh. and I was so pumped to watch it. And Teresa was like, "Go home, get some rest, you know, uh, and, and go watch the game." I know you're so wait, excited for it. Wait a minute. So he was born at six twenty, and not even five hours later, you left no, to watch the game. A.M. A.M. What kind of person am I? 6.20 a.m. Take it right. easy there, Irma Bombeck. Or That's what I thought. I thought maybe home journal. Relax. <laughs> so what you're telling me... <laughs> you just put me on the 18 reasons he's a bad husband. <laughs> 18. I don't know why I came up with 18. Uh, <laughs> Irma Bombeck. <laughs> I just got that. It's, it's probably not right, but it's not oh, bad. That's good. Um, yeah, no, 6.20 in the morning. And after 32 hours of labor, I finally went home at 11 o'clock at night. Right. And, uh, of course, I wasn't in the labor. I was going to say, I hope no women are listening to this. Boy, gosh. Uh, what is this guy? 30, yeah, right. 32 hours of labor. For you? Yeah. What would you do? Um, no, I went home and watched that game, and I watched like the first 20 minutes. I'm like, well, I guess I can go to sleep now. But this is the kind of game where I feel like I could see the Patriots coming in and just blowing them out like – like, hey, you really you want to talk smack, huh? And you turn around and it's twenty four nothing. Yeah, quick. But I, I no, I, I, I do genuinely. Th- it's this is a great, f- Brian. I don't know why it finally feels like football's here. I know it's week eight or week nine or whatever. It finally feels like it's here. Well, this is the first week with no baseball. True. Good point. World, the World Series is over. It snowed last week here in New York. Yeah. It's, you know, not a, the, it's not a seasonal thing, though. I think it's the matchups. Like I think, like it's it's starting to be real now. Well, because now you got a lot of you know you got a lot vested in these games now. You know, now you're at that you're at the halfway point of the season. They've accumulated a record. You know, when 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 you're two and one, three and two, it's like it's still the beginning of the season. You're still feeling your way. Now you're four, you're four and two, five and two, four and three, whatever the Jets are. Um, 
now you got a record behind you. You got you you you've established something, and you're kind of laying out the landscape of of what's to come and and what you need to do in order to make the playoffs. You can start thinking about the. And it's only the eighth game of the season for them, but you can start thinking about the playoffs right now and, and what you need to do to get there. Yeah, and you, you know, got you got nine games left, and you start ticking them off now. And you're saying right. like, all right, look, we got to go seven and two in these nine right. games. That's right. You're looking yeah. at the matchups. You're looking at how how the schedule plays out. Um, you have a good idea of who stinks and who doesn't. Right. And right. You have a good idea of who's halfway decent. You have a good idea of who can maybe get on a run and get hot like the Packers did last year or the Giants I, a couple years ago. I totally get that with with this week really being the first week that you're it, you're super excited it for. Feels. Tam- I'm I'm excited for every weekend. Don't get me wrong. But this well, weekend, I'm pumped. Like I like by like by Tuesday, I was like, I can't wait for this game this week. Look, when we went to two weeks ago, when we went to the Chargers game, we were pumped. Yes. To go to the game yes. and to see to see the Jets. This week, you're pumped because the game means something. That's right. Not that the Chargers game didn't mean anything, but but now these games this week, next week against Buffalo, the following week they're going to play a Thursday night game in November against Denver. Everybody's going to be on board for that. Right. Then they're going to get Buffalo again the weekend of Thanksgiving. Right, eight minutes later. Right. <laughs> so the next four weeks are really going to are really going to be big time games for the Jets. Right. I should, by the way, I should qualify the eight minutes later. I know it got a laugh out of you, and uh, I'm going to qualify because the sports guy said that the other day on his podcast about yeah. Tampa, Tampa Bay and the Saints. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, they said they can't play eight minutes ago. <laughs> they just played eight minutes ago. So I'm not going to take uh, credit for that. I, I no, not, I, but I, I'm not a plagiarist. I laughed. I laughed because I got the reference, yeah. not because you had come up with some insanely creative. It was an homage. <laughs> um. So lastly, on the on the uh, on the football with the Jets and the Giants, so we're pumped up for this week. Obviously, I think the Jets win this game. I really do. I think so too. I, I think, think they win I, this game thirty to thirty to twenty. That's what I'm going with. Thirty to twenty, and I see Scotty McKnight and San Antonio Holmes having or Joe Scotty McKnight. He's, he's hurt. He's on the uh, the IR with a uh, torn ACL. No, uh, Joe McKnight and uh, Santonio Holmes having big games. Oh, that's what I wanted to. Go, I wanted to go back to that when I brought up the whole manufactured controversy, right? About Holmes. The point that I was trying to get to was: Do you think that because all of this controversy came out in the media yesterday, that Buffalo kind of clued it, you know, keyed in on that, and thinks that well, you know. If Santonio Holmes is unhappy with his role, is it possible that the Jets are now going to make him more of a target on Sunday? Should we key in on him and expect him to play a bigger part? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think they would any more than normal. I really, I, you know what? I don't think it would be the story that would do that, right? I think it would be because he only has 22 catches. And, okay. you know, only a couple of touchdowns and stuff and that they may key on him more because they expect a breakout like last like two weeks ago with with Burris in the red zone. Right. You know, they hadn't gone to him in the red zone. They, you know, you know, they're going to try to feed him the ball. Uh, I think they may key in more on San Antonio Holmes or, or try to game plan a little bit about San Antonio Holmes because he has not been. He's a dynamic playmaker and you expect him to blow up at some point. Right. 
And, you know, you don't want it to be this game against you if you're the Bills. But I, I think the Jets win, and, and uh, I think the Giants I think the Giants win. Right after I said that they they could lose 45-3, to I think the Giants could win like a 28-26 game or something. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if the Giants won. I just don't see them winning this game. I feel shocked. I don't. I, I don't. Feel, I feel shocked, Cotton. What I want you to, what, what I also want you to understand is that if the Giants win this game, you'll be catching the Patriots on a two-game losing streak. Is that really what you want to be? Yeah, but, doing it's, next it, but it's, it's, then it's, it's also for first place. Uh, they would be in first place. They would be tied for first place because the Patriots won the first meeting. So it would be for first place. Right, because they're a game behind. Right, they would still be a half game behind. I do. You, do you really want to catch them on a two game losing streak, though? Yeah, you know what? I don't care. You got to beat them anyway. Right. Well, who cares? Winning streak, yeah. losing streak. Who cares? They got. You got to beat them anyway. You know, if they're, if they're there, if they're not ornery after getting smoked by Pittsburgh, and I know they had the ball and they had a chance to win the game or whatever, uh, but they got they got smoked in that game. They're going to be ornery. They're going They're to be ornery, be ornery. About, about the Pittsburgh game, and don't think for a second that Belichick has not brought up the Super Bowl of to this team has. all week. He's probably had the, the, the tape of the, of the fourth quarter of that game playing on a loop in the locker room. Yeah. The David Tyree catch just on a continuous. Right. He's actually, he's actually hired a guy to walk around with a ball on his helmet <laughs> just as a constant reminder. Like, he just kind of walks through the locker room. Right. <laughs> Yo, Coach, what's up with this guy? Nothing. David Tyree. It might actually be David Tyree. He's got nothing else going on right That's now. That's a good point and tough but true. Imagine. Hey, uh, before we wrap up the show, and we may even be able to bring uh, Pop Culture PJ back in about this, just want to talk to you uh, quickly, Bri, about the Tebow thing. Right with the Tebowing and the, and the lions and the okay. making making fun of uh, or or not making fun of but mimicking uh, the Tebow celebration which is prayer and and this week was a weird week uh, media wise you know Ra- uh, Raceman wrote a, an interesting article or uh, Mushnick wrote an interesting column about it I thought today about how it was somehow acceptable to uh, you know make fun of a guy's religion basically, or his faith and spirituality, which is what Tebow is celebrating by Tebowing. Right. Um, you know, but had he, had the player uh, made fun of him being a Muslim or made fun of him being black or something to that effect, the outcry would be amazing. But because it's, you know, it's something that's maybe more accepted, whatever. It, 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 it's a weird, to me, it was a weird place football found itself in the NFL this week with Tim Tebow and this idea that that Christianity or religion is involved and and it was a strange place like it's they're they're strange bedfellows they're they're not ones it's it's like what was it last year when Rashad Mendenhall went off about you know Muslim 9-11 yeah 9-11 and Muslim it's like don't do that. I don't need those are not two great tastes that go great together. Like I don't need I like my football and my politics and ridiculous fascism separate. 
you know, or or you know what I mean? Like, I I don't like when religion or politics creeps into sports. That bothers me. Right. However, I don't. But but however, I don't think Tebow did that. No, he I, didn't. I, do I think it. they just right. I think they just found themselves together. Well, uh, and the this other, week because of what the the Lions did. But go ahead. Well, well, the other the other thing is that Tebow has has just proven to be such a polarizing guy. Too. Uh, that's what I was just gonna say. God, you took the words out of my mouth. I'm sorry. Go finish it. Finish no, it. Ab- no, that's per- that's what I was just gonna ask you. I, I, can you remember? I'm sure they're out there. But I was trying to think of an example today, Bry. Favre. N- not in the same way. Not, not the same way. way. Polar- polarizing, but not in the same way. Not. I don't think even close. Since this guy's been in the league, it's unbelievable. The venom that has been spewed at this guy um, since he was drafted, and he did the commercial about you know pro uh, pro life, and like he's such a remarkably polarizing figure. Like you see analysts and, and read articles about calling him the worst quarterback in the history of the league, and I mean it's just like. You know, did everybody miss Achilles Smith? I mean, come on. You know, like, like <laughs> this guy's this this guy has taken a beating, and it doesn't. It it seems why or, or Brian, I'll ask you why. Why is it because he? I, I don't understand why he's so polarizing. I, I'm not expressing myself right well right now. No, I, I I know exactly what you mean. It's 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 his outspoken views on religion. But is he is he that more much more outspoken than he was? He was in college. He was when he was in Florida. He was very outspoken, and he was and and people also resent the fact that he was kind of labeled the chosen one. You know, he's not. He, they felt that he's not that good, and then he and then he kind of amped it up with his beliefs. I'm not saying it was wrong or right. I'm just saying that he kind of fed into. All of the chatter about him, he didn't do any. He didn't do himself any favors, right. you know, by by kind of laying low. And 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 you could give him credit for that too. He's he's he he's very strong in his convictions and his faith, and he's not going to make any apologies for it, and he's not going to hide from it. And give him credit for that. But it's also not helping him to detract from his from his critics. Yeah, I, you know? I think I think that's fair. I think. What's startling to me about the situation, in one sense, is there are a great number of uh, Christians, uh, or whatever, uh, uh, you know, fervent Christians, in professional sports uh, that are, you know, it's it's a big, it's 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 very common. It's very common. Yeah. His his level of uh, Christianity or his level of faith, uh, what his practices, his beliefs, etc., is very common, very common in professional sports, especially football. Right. It's also extraordinarily common in baseball, which was shocking to me. But it's it's and shocking only because I just didn't expect that. Like I understand it in football; it's a very violent game, and I think guys are. They balance it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a way to sort of balance it. But uh, anyway, it, it's not uncommon. 
Like he is it just because he's talked about it? I mean, Alan Houston with the WWJD wristbands, and you know what I mean. Like this goes on in sports. So what is it about him, Tim Tebow specifically, that is making this happen? That's what I'm scratching my head trying to figure out. And you know what? Look, right? Dr. E. Ray came to us at the beginning of the season when there was a lot of scuttlebutt and a lot of articles being written. And we had to get one scuttlebutt in, by the way. We're required by law to say scuttlebutt once a show. So It's in our contract. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's with the mafia. Right? Um, <laughs> you you don't want to break that contract. No. No, no. That, that's, do you know what a blood oath is, Mr. Ness? Um. <laughs> There was a lot of there were a lot of articles about how he's terrible and he bangs the worst quarterback. And Doctor E, remember, he wrote us and said, "What's you know what's up with that?" Right. Like, why does he draw the, the, this much criticism? And I at the time was like, "Look, deal with it. He stinks. Too bad." You know. But I, even I think, and I had no problem with the. Now, now let me put it on the record too. I, I I didn't necessarily see what the Lions did as mocking his religion. Well, they were that's, mocking him. That's me. Exactly. They weren't mocking his religion. I, I don't even think they were mocking him. I think they were mocking the phenomenon of him off a week where he had a 15-point comeback in the last three minutes of a game. Uh, right. And they were mocking this sort of phenomenon of, quote-unquote, T-bowing. You know, I, 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 I don't think they had the, the malice against religion. I agree, and I think that that was completely blown out of proportion. But Mushnick's point is a good one, Bry, or or at least a, an interesting one, where you say, "Was that an expression of Tim Tebow? What, what was is Tebowing?" It sounds filthy, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, it just does. Um, but is T? Is it sounds like it could be something filthy? Like man, it could, it could be worse. I Tebowed her. You know, I don't want that. You could, so be, farving, you could be farving somebody. Right. You, could, you could have gotten farved last night. Uh, but no, is is T-Bowing necessarily an expression of his spirituality? I guess it no. is. No. I, well, when he does it? Yeah. Yeah, then it is. Okay. Then it is. When when other people do it, they're just it's just a goofy thing that they're doing. You know, it has so nothing to do with so, spirituality. Okay, so let me give you an example, or or let me let me let me let, let's see if we can take it to somebody else, right? Uh, Major League Baseball. I remember uh, watching baseball games as a kid. All the uh, the Latin American players, mm-hmm. not all of them, many Latin American players used to make the sign of the cross. They many still do. Them, many of them still do. Uh, you know, uh, Albert Pujols hits a home run, uh, and he comes home and he points to God. You know, Jose Reyes points to God on every base hit that he gets. Okay, right. and and they thank God for a hit or whatever. And and that's is that not an expression of their spirituality? It is. Okay, so let's just say after you beat the Mets, or after you beat one of those teams, and you somebody was like mocking making the sign of the cross. Is that the same thing? Yes, you think I think there would be an uproar about that if someone did that. There would there would have to be, right? Of course there would be because that's like a, an accepted uh, sort of uh, 
Catholic thing or whatever, but it, whatever. That's an accepted religious ex- expression. Right. Tim Tebow taking a knee and praying. Is that – you know what I'm saying? Like there, there are other examples of guys expressing their spirituality in sports every day. I mean watch a baseball game and like I said, Jose Reyes does it after every hit. Right. You know, and points and thanks God for the hit. You know, if if I just don't. I, where do you draw the line? Like, what what is expressing your spirituality and what is acceptable and what is? And then if you if you do what the lions did, is that mocking religion? That's uh, tough. I don't think it is. Um, I can I can definitely see the point of view where you'd be offended by it. I can I get that. I get the people that thought that they were mocking religion or mocking Tebow and his beliefs. Um I get it. I just don't agree with it. I I think that it was I think it was harmless. I think it was just an in the moment more of a look at me uh I'm I'm posing and I'm doing something to get some camera time type which of thing. Is, which is not great either. No, of course not. But but I think that that's 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 where it was born out of more than um I'm going to make fun of the fact that this guy is is uh, very religious. Right. You know, we say all the time, right, that we don't want – I just said it earlier on the show. We don't want politics or religion or whatever in our sports or in our entertainment, right? So when a, uh, uh, an actor comes out and is an active – says something about politics, we say shut up. And when uh, a professional athlete comes out and says something about 9-11, we say shut up. You know, carry the football. Right. And when a guy who's not even in the NFL yet, and we, you and I have talked about this with Tim Tebow, who wasn't even in the NFL yet, and is talking about his beliefs in in pro-choice and pro-life and that he's very pro-life and and stuff like that, which is a ridiculously, maybe one of the most polarizing arguments or, or debates of our time. And he's coming out for before he's even in the league. And the NFL is like, dude, shut up! Like, you know, it's great that you have convictions, and we're and 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 it's wonderful and stuff. But we have an image to uphold. It almost seems like he has just taken constant abuse since then, because he did that. Well, you know what it is, I and I, I think people take offense to the fact, and and you said it just before, when our when our actors are spewing their political beliefs, it's as if. You're you're an actor and and you're a football player and and just because you have the platform doesn't make it okay because I feel the same way I don't have a platform to express my opinions but because you do you're going to and and you know maybe keep it to yourself you can have those opinions but you don't need to broadcast it to the world I think that might be what, what rubs people the wrong way sometimes right PJ I'd like to weigh in on abortion. Oh boy. Good night everybody. And there it is. <laughs> Does that guy know how to close the show or what? <laughs> Pop PJ, I know we didn't get to talk to you a, a ton tonight, but um will you be back and not drunk next Thursday night? I will be back. Excellent. That's all I'm gonna uh-huh. say. I'd give you a final unload, but I feel like you may throw up. So I'm going back for more. <laughs> that a baby. Uh, Cal, final unload. Hey, final unload. Happy 50th birthday today to Mr. Daniel LaRusso, 
Ralph Macchio turning the big 5-0. Happy birthday, Ralph Macchio. And uh, we should all look that good at 50. God bless him. God bless him. Uh, and uh, my final unload is uh, to a certain sports reporter uh, in this in this town. Hey, you know what? Follow me, and then I can respond back to you on Twitter. See, but if, if you direct message me, I, I can't respond back. So follow me. See you. Sam Pete at RTU. Uh, Sam Pete RTU. Good night, everybody. This has been fun, Brian. This has been great, man. We did the full two hours. We did it. We did it. Sweep the leg. Right. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg, boys. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you next Thursday with Ted Berg from SNY.TV. Good night.